0: So it's kind of a twofer. I have seen development in Katie and the way that she was able to see herself as a greater impact on our organization and our clients. And we also helped a bunch of clients have leaders who went back to their organization. Really, um, the feedback came back of, we feel that we're more intentional about how we show up and more open to other perspectives to make sure that we're engaging everyone And seeing that not in their functional area only, but across the company, and that they need to figure out how do I build almost an ad hoc team as we work through issues that everybody feels a part of.
1: Welcome to the Ripple Leader Podcast with Chris Hutchinson. I'm your co host, Seth Silvers, and every week on this show, I will sit down with Chris Hutchinson, founder and CEO of the Trebuchet Group, and have engaging conversations with one goal to help you build clarity and confidence for leaders and teams. This season, We are hosting these conversations live on Fireside Chat, which means you can join us in the conversation. If you want to ask questions live, download Fireside Chat on your mobile device and tune in live to join the interview. We want to welcome everybody to the Ripple Leader Podcast. Um, Thank you to those who are joining us live. Um, I see a new friend down, down in the audience, Michelle Oliver, who I have not seen yet on this platform, but Michelle, it's great to see you here. Um, um, we're Chris and I are going to be talking, but we also, we we want to have a discussion about how, how we slash you are creating leaders, um, at your company or in your organization. Some of you, maybe you're working with a bunch of contractors. We realize we're all kind of in different positions as far as what work looks like, but this conversation is really about how are we creating leaders around us? So Chris, why was this a topic that was important enough for uh you to want to focus on
0: well of course weeks ago when we put the schedule together and kind of did this one of our thoughts was that this is the inklings of the great resignation were coming so some time ago and the conversation i remember when we were sharing it was you know building for the future and making sure that you're investing in people is the best way to have them feel like this is a place where they can have a future with you so it's not an insurance policy. <laughs> and certainly people can say, thanks, appreciate that. I'm out of here. And I think trying to figure out how you're building leaders in the organization, that not only makes the organization stronger, makes people feel and able to influence more, but it also can take pressure off you, me, as a leader, and have feeling like we've got to do so much. And, and making sure, I mean, I was look, trying to see who said it. I think it was uh, Warren Bennis who said that, you know, the purpose of leaders is is to grow more leaders. It's not to necessarily crank out more widgets. He didn't say that last part. That's my addition. But I I think it's really important for organizations to think about if they want longevity and they want people to be investing their life there willingly and ably, they need to be thinking about how are they growing their leadership capacity, whether that's, you know, that doesn't mean lauding authority over people, but the ability to influence others and their own future and make a difference. That's what I'm kind of putting that
1: in. Which is which is a great, great, and important conversation to have. I think so many people in the workplace, especially with how hierarchical, I think that's the word, um, how much of a hierarchy the workplace has, kind of traditionally created. Like I think over the last, you know, I don't know, I don't know if it's always been this way, but particularly, you know, the last like hundred years, it seems like. The American and Western workplace has very much been like, you know, you have a CEO and then you have, you know, your, your VPs and then you have your middle management and then, you know, you have your frontline workers. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people don't feel like they're leaders. I've honestly wondered at times if Mm -hmm. the word leader has, um, it's done so much to inspire a few but I think so many people, it turns them off because they're like, I'm not a leader. And I think that word almost can be damaging at times because many people that might not be in management position, they kind of are like, well, a leader is for them. So I, you know, I'm not becoming a leader. That's not for me. Mm-hmm. So I think this is really important because this term is often gets kind of focused on, okay, are you, you know, a VP or a CEO or an entrepreneur? And if not, okay, this isn't for me. So I think this is really important to talk about because uh, as leaders, if you will, I just did the air quotes, as leaders, we should be doing what we can to pull out leadership abilities in all of the people around us. Why should we be doing that even if somebody's not a manager or a VP or an executive in the organization or the the group and community that we're working in? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: That's such a good question. And, I, and I, I even you can hear a little hesitancy in my voice because, for instance, I wrote the book Ripple Leader or it's Ripple and it's about leadership. And I've had some people go, well, I'm not really a leader. you know, I don't know. At the same time, I had somebody who read it. They were given it by somebody else. And it's, she wrote me a note. So, look, I'm a mom. I have four kids. And this has helped me figure out how I can be a better parent and how I can help my kids be great. And so, I mean, we get down to that if a mom feels like they're a leader, which I believe they are because they're influencing others, they're growing others for better capacity. And hopefully we all win, you know, um, that's that's the kind of leadership I'm talking about. And you're right. There's people who see leadership and we have instances in the public uh, place right now where leadership by some is seen like I have authority over you. You do what I say. I get the gold throne. And, and, you know, bow down before me sort of thing. And that's, that to me is not lead. That's a person in a leadership position, but a leader is someone who lifts others up and enables the best in the organization and helps us get through the barriers we have right now, working better together so that we can achieve, you know, great things really. And, and that we're able to have full lives. And that's the kind of leader I believe in. And I think that they're, With that kind of thing, I mean, I've been led by people who are my peers. I've been led by people who are my subordinates, technically in an organization, because they lifted me up and pointed out things for me that made it clear for me to be successful. So I'm taking the more broad definition. And I think that that actually would help others too, to think about how are you influencing people? How are you helping them be their best selves? How are we together getting better results than we could individually? If you're doing things to add to that, I think you're a leader.
1: I think that's well, that's well said. And I'm curious too, how do you, how are you talking about this with your team Mm -hmm. or what are some things maybe you're doing to cultivate this in your team? Yeah. So two things, one thing
0: we're doing with our team and we're doing that with our clients too. I had one of our clients approached me and my team and said, hey, Chris, you wrote this book on leadership called Ripple. Um, We have been through some other programs and we're not super psyched about the results, they don't give us what we need, we think you could help. So I worked with Katie Huey, um, our operations and content director, and really, actually, so this is a twofer here, um, I believe that there's a lot of capability that Katie has that's not always tapped in the way that she can help people learn and share her experiences and create an environment where people can learn together. I've seen that for a while. I pointed it out to her, and I saw this as an opportunity. So it was kind of a baby step that I was there alongside. We had a content developer that we hired from the prepayment by a client. I said, I want to fund this thing and and get some slots out of it. And we worked together to build a year-long curriculum. We just graduated our first cohort, and the testimonials coming back just, I mean, they were stunning and really helpful about how they helped each other, how Katie stepped in. And I think that's part of it. It's like um, there's poetry and plumbing and everything. So there's the stuff you love and the stuff you kind of have to do. And what I tried to do, I think we did it together, Katie and I, try to figure out how could I help her do as much of the poetry that she can do, and I could do plumbing where I needed to. And actually, she did it the other way. There's times she was doing plumbing, sort of the the behind the scenes organization work, and I got to show up and just be passionate about what we could do. So so it's kind of a twofer. I have seen development in Katie and the way that she was able to see herself as a greater impact on our organization and our clients. And we also helped a bunch of clients have leaders who went back to their organization. Really, um, the feedback came back of, we feel that we're more intentional about how we show up and more open to other perspectives to make sure that we're engaging everyone. And seeing that not in their functional area only, but across the company and that they need to figure out how do I build almost an ad hoc team as we work through issues that everybody feels a part of. So I'm really, you can tell, I'm really happy with how that worked. We're gonna continue to do that. So that's a deliberate way we're doing it outside. And also it was an opportunity for me to work with Katie and help her develop her leadership skills inside through a little baby step and some support.
1: I've been, that's such a good example. And I've been thinking a lot about how much this has changed in recent years, uh, I've been watching a show that was produced back in, like, 2013. I think it was actually produced by Mark Cuban called The The Men Who Built America. Hmm. I apologize to the women listening. It's not, like, some misogynistic show, although I think it is about a bunch of white men. Um, <laughs> however... Oh, intentionally uh,
0: misogynistic. Okay,
1: got it. True. But uh, it does need... Um, and we, we need a follow-up of The Women Who Built America because I know there'd be a... Some amazing stories in there too, but this show it was with the history channel. It kind of goes into some of like the, you know, kind of business forefathers of the, you know, industrial revolution of, you know, Carnegie and JP Morgan and Henry Ford and different things. Yep. And I was really struck by this concept of how, you know, the kind of the early business tycoons, they just overworked everybody. You know, they, they had the jobs and people needed to survive. And so they would do whatever necessary, even if it was working long, long days in steel factories and mines and dangerous work conditions. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, Henry Ford came along, incorporated the 40 hour work week, you know, eventually for a while that became law. Then, you know, I think for a little while there was a law where you couldn't work more than 46 hours in a week, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but then that was destroyed. Um, so that we could overwork people again. But for many, many decades, the majority of people is like, you have a job, you kind of show up, you do your role, you're a cog in a machine, and then, you know, you'll be taken care of in retirement. And things are shifting to where now I think people are realizing like, that's not enough. I want to, maybe not enough isn't the right word, but maybe that's not the complete picture of what would be satisfying. Like, I want mm-hmm. to you know, learn how to influence people. I want to learn better people skills. I want to learn how to be a leader. So it's so interesting to me how things are shifting. And I think it's absolutely for the better. Um, But looking back over the last hundred years or so, just how attitudes and desires in the workplace have shifted is, is really interesting to me.
0: There's a lot of, a lot of um, trends and things that are changing that. I think, you know, if you're looking forward and... I guess these, these mesh for me really well. Looking forward, I believe a lot of work that could be done by a machine will be done by a machine. And even things like, um, let's say that uh, we end up having some really good singular or, or linked databases on human health, for instance. I don't think there's any doctor that can know everything about human health right now. And we're continuing to exponentially explore the edges of that. Imagine that, I imagine that doctors in the future are gonna be more of an interface. It's sort of like when I, when I know how to ask the question to Google, I can get my answer. But if I don't know how to ask the question, it's gonna be really tricky. Um, I think, so here's here's my connection here, is that this interpersonal connection, having people having impact and things like that, that's very human. You, you can't program that into a machine and we desperately need that for people. The parts that are just sort of plug and chug, pull the handle, that's probably going to be done by machine at some point. So I believe it's imperative that we see ourselves as developing each other in organizations and then figuring out how do we get the work done, whether that's done by someone or a machine that, you know, how do we lift people up? And I think that's the responsibility of leaders. The good thing is I think there's some fairly simple ways to get there. I'll I'll leave it at that and
1: let turn it back to you, Seth. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh... I think, again, I think that's a, that's a good point point. Um, and there's a lot to unpack with some of these trends and things, but I think overall people in the workplace are more interested in how they can develop their leadership skills. And if they're afraid of that term um, and maybe don't look at themselves as a leader, I think people developing their influence skills and interpersonal right. skills in the workplace. Right. Right. Um, and I think managers and leaders And executives are more interested in how they can cultivate these. So I want to welcome Michelle to the stage. Um, Michelle, I believe this might be your Fireside debut.
2: Wow. Good morning, Seth and Chris. Yes, honestly, Seth, I saw your name come up on my screen. And I just joined last night. So
1: I'm really
2: excited about this. How did you hear about Fireside. Fireside? Um, I was invited from someone on Clubhouse. So now we have cool. clubhouses and, and fire pits. and. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's awesome. Nice I know I've been talking about Fireside. <laughs> yeah, I know I've been talking about Fireside for a while, but that's neat to hear other people in my community that are now hearing about it from other people. So that's a good sign.
2: Okay. Yeah, I just like the fact that you use the word neat. I love that <laughs> because all of this makes me feel like a kid. You know, it's like it's really fun. Oh, now I'm in the club. Now I'm by the fire, so it's fun. Yeah, um, I am the author of the Women Who Built America. No, I'm Ooh. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm totally. Maybe kidding. you should be to speak to the. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I kind of am. I mean, I actually work with women who are most of them are like in their mid forties and up and some even over 60 who are starting businesses. And this is my thing. So it's kind of that it actually is. Um, But the idea of leadership, I just have a couple of thoughts I'll share really quickly. And one is I've really had only one experience when I had um, employees and I had, I guess, about 35 actual employees, maybe a little bit more. And in the past, I have built schools and done things that p- people were on board who didn't, who weren't paid. They were volunteers. Mm. And when I had a business where I had these employees, I, I honestly, it felt like summer camp all the time to me, back to the clubhouse and Fireside. And I think the reason was, my biggest problem was they would not leave at the end of the day. And even when it was a startup the first year, there were days I couldn't pay them. I'd be like, you guys need to go home. And they wouldn't leave. They wanted to go out and market. So I really love the idea of vision driving self-leadership. I think oftentimes and I've also worked with a number of small businesses and franchises who can't who have a really hard time motivating their people. Hmm. And what i have found in my experience is if you're over focused and i love when you talked about poetry and plumbing i think that is such a, a great way to say it when you're too focused on the the operations and the plumbing and the rules and people are getting punished and you're in you're you're like in the concrete school with no windows like a prison it it's very restrictive but when when people are when they really connect with the fact that they are influencers, that they actually have influence over others and you can get them outside of themselves really married to the vision. I think they, they tend to lead themselves better and then they want to lead others. They want to pull everyone along on that trail towards the vision. And that's when it gets really, really fun. And I mean, I know it's not, it's not as as simple or easy as that. There are, are always people who um the resistance. <laughs> hmm. But when you can find out, it's like being a thought leader. You know, a lot of the women I work with are launching businesses um, for the first time or they're they're growing something in a in a business they've been stuck in. And the idea that they actually have influence over a group of people is foreign to them. They don't, people don't understand. You have to lead your own thoughts, <laughs> you know, and then grow into to leading others. And everything you do is leading yourself and others. So sometimes I think it's just a, a reframing, different perspective, but I love the topic. Thank you so much for inviting me up. It's wonderful to connect with you again, Seth. And nice to yes.
0: meet you, Chris. Nice to meet you too, Michelle. I appreciate your thoughts. I think that's, you really said it well in terms of influencing others, not in like, you better follow it my way or uh, I'm, I'm going to have this authority over you. But how do we have a shared win? How do we work towards a better reality together? I, I think, you know, and I'll piggyback on what you said in terms of um, I think it really is around if I want to develop leadership in my company, I have got to model the way I've got to have some self-understanding that, of where my strengths are and where those challenges that those hard spots for me. Um, understanding of others and seeing them as not just, you know, like me or bad, uh, but really seeing difference in a good thing, in a good light. And uh, another thing I think is really vital is stepping into conflict with a positive mindset of, yeah, we can disagree. And it's really good to work this out. It might even be uncomfortable and we'll get a better result at the end. And uh, I guess the other piece that I would say that I think I try to model, and we try to do this with the organization too, is understand how the business, like, why are we doing this? Not just go do this, but like, we're doing this with the context of what. So people can then sort of, connect to the broader, what we're trying to do and say, hey, I, I might know a better way. And then, and then it's adding that increased responsibility I talked about with Katie. It's like, how can I help people step into responsibility where I'm holding up the parts that aren't so wonderful for them to do and, um, until they get strong at them and build the confidence? So it's sort of an inside-out approach is what I'm thinking. Is If I show up in the way that really allows them to do the same for themselves, I'm modeling how, what kind of leadership they might step into. And then it's a, it's a dance together.
1: I think that's well said. It is, it is a dance together. And, uh, Michelle, I know you mentioned you have to jump for a meeting, but thanks so much for joining us on this, uh, on this show. And just so you and the listeners know, we, uh, we have conversations like this every week. So anybody else that's listening, if you have any comments on this topic about creating leaders in the workplace or creating leaders in your community, we'd love to hear any comments or questions you have. But Chris, you mentioned it is a dance. And -hmm. I think that that is a good picture of it because, um, it's, it's not a one-sided thing. You know, it's not just a manager or a VP or an executive implementing certain things and, you know, kicking out, not kicking out, but producing a leader, there has to be buy-in from both sides. And so I think some people might, there, there's workers that might not think they want to be a leader. Mm-hmm. How would you kind of advise addressing that where maybe both people don't want to dance?
0: Yeah, there's definitely times when, um, and I've I've seen it in if other people have worked in larger organizations, I think it's more, it's more common there. Or when people have been in a job for a long time where they have maybe a lot of change, it's easy to sort of get into a comfortable rut of what's working, and what's not working for me. And I might get to the place where I've seen people uh, where they, they sort of have been conditioned to think, to understand that they don't have impact. And that's a really sad place to be. I don't know. I I don't like that when I feel that way. And yet sometimes that's the best thing. You know, you know what, boss, just tell me what to do, because I've tried before to guess or I've put some things out there and they're always never good enough. So, you know what, I'm just going to step back. And I will say that when leaders I've talked with leaders and like, gosh, my people, they just don't take any initiative. And I said, well, what have you done the last couple of times? You know, what's the response? And, and it's really uncomfortable for leaders to look back and say oh I was critical I could see that it wasn't quite as good and I'm raising my hand you don't see but I'm myself I've gotten this, that feedback like well you're critical about the ideas so why should I give them so it's a very it's a very gentle nurturing that's really required to help people feel like they can matter sometimes especially around new ideas I think that's I don't know if I'm answering your question Seth because I think just like in this thought of how do I, how do I nurture leadership in others really does show up a lot in how I show up.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And again, I think maybe some of the phrase, phrases and language that we have grown to use kind of in a, in a Western economic world that very much has lended a lot of opportunities to people that are more outgoing and more outspoken and might be extroverted and all of this stuff. So there's this language around that, that might put people off that might, maybe they're naturally more quiet. Maybe they don't want to be the executive. Um, Maybe they want to be in a consistent role in the company, but they also have some inner desires to develop as a person in that role. So I I wonder if some of the language maybe puts people off, which would require listening. It would require really I'm thinking of like, even just with my team, like, right? okay, this requires like sitting down and like, I have to know my people and know really what they want in order to be able to develop that leadership. And I'm reading this book that I don't, you maybe have heard of it, but it's, have you heard of the book called Shorter or have you read it?
0: I have not read that one.
1: I'll have to look. I can't even remember the author's name, but it's this book that dives into how there's a lot of companies and various industries all over the world that over the last five years have initially started working less, Mm. typically in a, either moving to a four day work week or six hour work days. And they've seen productivity increase, turnover decrease, profits increase. Um, and they're not paying their people any less, but they're by having more balance. Um, they're seeing their workers engage at a higher level and a higher productivity level and more buy-in. And so I was having a conversation with one of my team members as I'm kind of processing through this. And, you know, I just kind of had the conversation of like, what do you, what do you want? Like what, you know, in the next five, five years or so, like, what are you looking for in your kind of mostly in your professional life, but also personally and, it's a conversation we're going to continue to have over the next couple of months as she dives into that um, because it wasn't a question that she was used to hearing. But at the same time, as we start thinking about what is a more balanced workplace that values everybody working in the project look like, I, I need to know what my team prioritizes and what they want. And if they just want a paycheck and that's all they care about, I'd like to know that. But if they want to, you know, maybe develop and get into more management and learn other skills in the workplace, I also want to know that. Um, so I, the long-winded point is, I think to to have this dance of creating leaders, we have to know our people and have some kind of pulse on what's important to them and what kind of things they're they're wanting to strive towards. And so I think. If we don't know them, it's going to be really hard to create leaders. If we don't know our people on a pretty personal level,
0: I—that's completely correct uh, from my perspective, Seth. In fact, it's vital that I think we know people. I want to—I want to take and go a little bit further in terms of, and and in the in the Ripple book I wrote, I thing, it's you know look for diamonds in the dirt, really. I think that the leader can have a privileged place. I don't mean that you get an extra advantage, but it's literally a different vantage point back into someone's work and how they're showing up. Um, I can't tell you that, you know, I was really lucky because when I would do some things and they were exciting and cool, but when I was in the moment, I didn't know they were exciting and cool for me. I just was feeling it, right? And, And my boss came in and said, man, you lit up like a Christmas tree when we're doing that. It was, you had so much energy around that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. So, well, what? How can we do more of that? So, I I totally agree with you that it's like know what my motivations are. Like, I need my boss my leader to help me to know what my motivations are. What matters to me. So, I, they have to know me. The other piece that I want is that I want them to point out where I'm excellent, because it's just like breathing to me. I need them to point out, and say, "You did that awesome." And maybe you've done this with people, Seth, and they go, nah, it was no big deal. It's like, no, no, that was really, really good. You know, it's, it's, it's so easy, right? And then my point back to people like that when I'm coaching is said, let me ask you this, did you notice anybody ever struggle with that? And they almost always get this really puzzled look, and they're like, yeah, it's really weird. I don't get that. That's actually a huge signal that there is a strength at play. Hmm. But people think it's normal because in their bodies, that's it. It's easy. You know, it's easy for me to do this. So I think the leader, not only asking them what they want, but pointing out where they're amazing, pointing out where that energy shows up, and maybe even teasing out a point past that, because they, they probably didn't think of that. So I think it's a collaborative effort, not just, hey, tell me what you want. And you're not saying that. But I, right. I know some surveys do that. Like, well, just tell us what you want. People don't know what yeah. they want. You know, they, they can know some of the things, but it's not, you know, but if, together we probably can do some pretty cool stuff. And then, all right, that sounds pretty amazing in a year. What could we do right now? It gives you some sense of confidence and starts working that way. And, and working, I mean, you can do it. You can throw people in the deep end and give them some floaties, and hopefully they make it. Or you can baby step them and try to help them toward that. But I think that working together, you're actually modeling what good leadership would be for their person that they're going to influence in the future. No pressure, of course, on the leader. Right? You just got to do it now for future generations. Like
1: parenting. Yeah. yeah. Do it right. And anymore. I think. Yeah, I think it does have to be too, it does have to go both ways in a sense of, you know, we can't just be asking those questions. And I think, again, culturally, the workplace has been kind of one-sided for a long time of, you know, your supervisors will tell you what to do. You know, they are the one who's in control of your work schedule and your raises and all of that stuff. And so I, I imagine for many people that are listening to this or trying to implement this, I want to encourage, it, it might take some time for people to get used to feeling comfortable, like they can actually give input and feedback in that the conversation between them as an employee and their manager or leader, what have you, mm-hmm. it might take some time for that conversation to be a comfortable back and forth conversation, just because for so long it's been a one-sided conversation.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think that's very true. A lot of people are not conditioned to think that they have that influence over their own lives. So mm-hmm. why would they think they'd have influence over the direction of the business or things like that, that right. would actually be in their future? I, I think one thing, too, is let me see. One of thing I, I talk about using low bar questions, you know, lowering the bar. Um, and a lot of people like I've gotten the question, hey, what do you want? It's like if I knew I'd probably already be there or I'd probably be asking for it already. So I think some of the questions are maybe more like, what do you really enjoy about this work? You know, what, what sort of is exciting to you? If you could do all, you know, one thing or a couple of things. And I've had people say, look, there's a variety that excites me. I mean, if I got stuck in any one thing, I, this would not be a fun job. Okay, well, how do we do that more? So it's sort of like getting almost behind them over their shoulder and kind of talking about what are we seeing together? Um, I think can be a really good way to help people develop. And then if there are possibilities of that, that include helping others, um, I think that's a great place to be. I, mean, um, I think it was, I'm trying to remember, Simon Sinek, I think it was, but he, he repackages stuff brilliantly. So it may have been somebody else. Uh, talked about really long-term, maybe it's Adam Grant. I'm trying to remember, I gotta look this up. Um, talked about really people who are really satisfied and happy with their work are helping people in some way and feel that connection of the help with people and they can control what they're sort of working on to the point where they can feel successful in that and they can see a longer term future there. It's not like this ends next week, you know. Tough to do right now in the middle of COVID because the future is pretty hazy and if somebody feels those things even looking through the haze, they're probably not going to be part of the great resignation. They're probably going to be somebody who's staying with you in your organization because I get to grow here. I get to be my best self.
1: Yeah. You started You started to kind of head in the direction I was hoping to, to kind of bring this conversation to a close with, but uh, I, this has been really valuable. What are some questions that some of our listeners can maybe be exploring with some of their team members that might help to kind of cultivate this journey of building leaders? Mm-hmm.
0: So a couple of questions are, well, first, I, I'd want the leader to ask themselves some reflective questions on noticing, you know, what do you notice when the person turns up in energy or down in energy? Um, how, do they, how do they interact with other people? What do they look like they're sort of proud of even or, or feel good about? And then um, if those are in the leadership vein, or let me say, like you said, influencing, influencing, supporting others um you know then I think sitting down and having a conversation, hey, what do you see as um, you know what excites you about your work here if you could change something, what would you change? Uh, you know what how not not so much asking them to fix it, but just sort of we're trying to figure out the indicators like what's a great day? And that's a good question. there's a bunch actually and um, you can look them up we did, I think we talked about stay interviews before, but if you look up stay interviews, they're pretty powerful questions. They're just the same you probably would do when you're saying, "Hey, what excites you? Is this a good job for you?" When somebody's coming into the organization, you can ask the same questions that people are already there. Like, what rules you out of bed in the morning? What What do you you know? Uh, what's a hard day? And uh, how could you make more of the former and less of the latter? Do you, what ideas might you have? So it's not an order taking, you know, okay, three cappuccinos, extra sugar. Um, it's going to be more of a collaborative conversation.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's, uh, that's a, good way to, a good way to position it. And I think I'm leaving this conversation just really thinking about that word of collaboration and realizing that I might have this grand plan to, you know, make sure that every person that works at our organization develops into a leader of some sort but recognizing that's a collaborative effort. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just an idea that's in my head that I cultivate as the leader of this organization, but that that's a, it's a collaborative effort with our team members. So Chris, this has been just been great.
0: I appreciate it too, Seth is glad we get to have Michelle talk with us for a little bit. And um, yeah, I'm very thankful that we get to have these conversations together mm-hmm. and I am hopeful that, people are seeing possibilities or most likely getting reinforced what they already knew. And maybe this will give them a little push to start. How could I, how could I influence others more so that they influence our shared direction and what we, yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. And I I think that word influence is so important. And, you know, if we surveyed a bunch of people, I'm sure not everybody would say that they want to um, be a leader. Uh, but I do think that if you ask people, you know, do you want to be better at influencing people in a positive way? I bet you a lot of people, I, I bet you the majority of people would say, well, yeah, I do want to develop that. And they're, they're the same thing, um, <laughs> which is why yeah, it's important yeah. to keep having this I, conversation.
0: I was thinking about this little, it's, it's probably a meme now, mm-hmm. but it was a cartoon at one point and it had sort of this this big chair and somebody was sitting in it and there was all these ropes that were going forward and people with the ropes slung over their shoulder, pulling and the, the title on it said boss. And then the next frame was nobody sitting in the chair, still big chair with, you know, big stone chair with all these ropes on it. And you can see the person who was on the chair is in with a group, just a little smidge ahead, And it said leader. Uh, and I think that's when, when people think of leadership as I'm helping you and let's work together, Um, they're like, yeah, I can do that. I I don't want to do it all the time. I don't want to be responsible for it all the time, but there are times when it's great to have the team lean on me and say, thank you. So hopefully people are getting that experience too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Thank you, Chris, for your time and to the audience who is here, joined us live. Thank you to the audience that is not joining us live. Thank you as well for listening. Uh, We encourage you to share this episode with somebody that you know that would enjoy it. And if you want to join us live, then uh, know that we are here on Fireside. Um, which is a mobile platform every single week. And that gives you the opportunity to ask your questions and be a part of the conversation. So Chris, I will uh, talk to you next week and I hope that you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Is there any, um, any moment, I'll say any moment or food that you're looking particularly looking forward to this week?
0: Oh, I, I think the moment of, of getting together, looking into each other's eyes and saying, wow, we're, we're glad we're here together I think it's very yeah. powerful. The food I would say is my, uh, let's say it would be grandmother-in-law, I guess. I, I don't know how that actually works. Um, my wife's grandmother's recipe for um, cranberry salad, which is like an orange with the skin on an apple, cranberries, and some sugar. It's unbelievably good, simple, tasty. The kids just, you know, we have to make lots of it. So we'll, we'll, we'll do that. And I, I also give a little preview. I was just thinking on the 2nd of December, Uh, We'll have our next show is going to be on purpose-driven leadership. And just a hint, uh, this is not Enron purpose-driven leadership. This is sort of good for the world, purpose-driven leadership. And talking about what does that look like, how even in small places we may be really exhibiting and how can we reward and and endorse purpose-driven leadership
1: sounds like an important conversation to have. And, uh, we encourage everybody join us live and be a part of the conversation. So thanks so much, Chris. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. You too, Seth. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Ripple Leader podcast, where our goal is to help you build clarity and confidence for leaders and teams. Don't forget to join us live on fireside chat to get your questions answered each week. And if you want to get in touch with Chris and his team at the Trebuchet Group, head to trebuchetgroup.com. That is T-R-E-B-U-C-H-E-T group.com. We'll see you next time.